And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Never back. <laughs> it gets every time. It's the best. Part two. It is the best. Brenda and Eddie were still going steady oh, no. in the summer of 75. I forgot ba, about that. Ba, when they decided the marriage would be no. at the end of July. Everyone said they were crazy. Brenda, you know you're much too lazy. And Eddie could never afford to live that kind of life. But there we were waving Brenda and Eddie goodbye. And we're back. Welcome to episode 46 of mm-hmm. Down on the Docks. Getting there, Well, dude. well, well. <laughs> almost, almost a little more than a month away from our one year. We're getting close. Part two of Three Identical Strangers, directed by Tim Wardle, released in 2018, currently available on Hulu. Oh. <laughs> Before we get into that, let me introduce myself. My name's Chris Neff. And uh, I'm joined as my uh, pro- uh, with my producing partner and co-host, Dave Sarah. How are you, buddy? Hello. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Super Guys, fans. Super. We got su- we got a lot to talk about today, buddy. <laughs> For those of you just joining us, uh, Down on the Docks is a podcast where I break down in long form a documentary that I've watched. And uh, then I tell Dave what it's all about, and he cracks the occasional joke. Once in a while. And then he'll decide if he's going to watch it or not. So thank you for just joining us. More importantly, if you are tuning in for the first time, this is part two of Three Identical Strangers. Yep. So (laughs) Part two. So where do they go if they want to listen to part one? Turn this shit off and go to the other episode, number 45, and listen to this one. Or you can just not listen to 45. We got a shout out this week. Uh, Dude, we had more than a shout out. We'll get to them. Uh, we'll do a couple now. We'll do a couple later. Yeah. Uh, a special shout out to CM Gorham. Yeah. Good dude. Uh, yeah. You know, Big fan. It's weird. Never met him. It's weird. You're out there in public. Yeah. I, what happened is this, Dave. Tell me. I was invited to a very high school, uh, high end uh, <laughs> high social high, yeah. social affair. Yeah. High school. And I show up to this high 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 end social. I don't know event. how Gorham got invited. That if it's a high end thing, Gorham's the man. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm hanging out, and uh, this guy comes up to me, and he says, "Oh my God, I'm a huge Down on the Docks fan." And I'm like, "Am I being punked here?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where's I'm Dave? Like, I'm like, "Is Dave <laughs> gonna come out with the cameras?" <laughs> and he said, "No, I got to be honest. I'm a huge fan. I list all your episodes." And then he goes, "Dude, Dave." is so brilliant. And I said, okay, this is definitely bullshit. Brilliant. He used the word brilliant. He did. And I go, no, no, no. Like a soccer player with a well-placed soccer ball in the corner pocket. Bend it like Sarah. Dude, fucking (laughs) a brilliant goal from Beckham. But I'm like, okay, so at this point, I'm thinking this guy's, somebody's paid him to say this to me. Right. And then I'm like, ooh, which reminds me, I gotta get to my Venmo real quick. No, go. I said, before we go any further, let me just, get this on camera. Mm-hmm. And then yes. he had nothing but amazing things to yes, say. Yes, very him, nice you know? guy. And then, of course, I sent it to you. Yep. And then um, at that point, I think you were like, My how, phone, much, yeah. how much did you pay this guy? <laughs> I know. Well, yes, but uh, nice dude. 
Great guy. Uh, also, he's got a lovely wife named Gretchen, who oh, uh, nice. is Gretchen. a vet tech, and they are Ooh. huge fans. Uh, I'm huge fans of theirs because they um, foster cats. Wow. So anyway, let's get into uh, Three Identical Strangers. Yep. Now, if you recall, when we left off, um, we were discussing... Uh, the triplets. Yes. And we were also discussing whether or not these scientists were purposefully choosing children with biological parents right. that had a mental illness uh-huh. and then placing them into the, the homes right. to see if mental illness was heritable. Yes. And just as a recap, we know these triplets, um, they were Bobby, mm-hmm. Chaffron, um, Eddie, and David. They were all put in mixed uh, economical, social Right. Social um, homes. Right. So you've got the blue collar, you know, family. Yeah. You've got the mids. Yep. And then you've got, you know. The upper. Upper. So. Um, My favorite, usually. Yeah. The upper. <laughs> now, if we remember, it sounds like you need an upper. Ah, I'm you good. Don't one? worry about me, buddy. Okay. Well, let's pick it up. Now, remember, <laughs> these gentlemen had started a restaurant together. Yep. But Eddie... Something bad happened to Eddie. Something bad? Yeah. No. He was uh, committed to a mental institution. Whoa, that happened quickly. Yeah. So while they're running this restaurant, Eddie has to go into the psych ward. No. And Bobby says, at the time, I wasn't there. Uh, David was with him all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think he can give you better details about it. And David uh, describes, you know, he's running the kitchen. Uh, Eddie wasn't in. Uh I was running the kitchen. He was running in front of house. That's the way it worked. And I didn't know where he was. And he lived across the street. So keep in mind, David, he's got a house in yeah. the suburbs, but Eddie lives right across the street from right. him. Which right. Which is kind of weird. I guess so, yeah. Well, yeah. And they don't really go into it in the documentary. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they discover that they're triplets, mm-hmm. and then one moves right in across the other, you know, Sure, so maybe. they could be neighbors. Maybe they're, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Janet, this is David's wife. She says, David called me from the restaurant and he asked me to look out the window to see if Eddie's car was in the driveway because if it were in the driveway, we knew that he was home. Right. So the car was in the driveway. It was in the driveway. Yeah. Oh boy. And I said to David, uh, do you want me to go over there? And David said, yes. Well, David says, she called me back a few minutes later. And her voice was trembling and shaking. And she said, you got to come home. Oh, no. And I said, why? And she said, please, just, you got to come home. So I pulled up. We lived right across the street. I pulled up, kind of just cop cars are all there. Oh, no. And they're blocking the entire street. Ah, man. Uh, The door is open. And I started running to the house, and the cops grabbed me, and they wouldn't let me come in. Yeah, they're like, one of the fucking stupid triplets killed themselves or some shit. (laughs) At the top of the block, he's like, yeah, one of those fucking idiots killed themselves. Can you you believe this? These guys were the kings of Manhattan. (laughs) I saw saw them in page six. I know. They were getting all the great chicks. They even had a restaurant. Fucking some people never learn. They're going to have to rename it Table for Two now. Oh, God. Anyway, they said, you don't want to see this. You can't see this, and you don't want to see this. Yeah. You don't want to see this. And that's when I knew he was gone. Right. I told Bobby, I need to talk to you. And it's as if he kind of knew. Uh, he kind of knew before the words came out of my mouth. Should we play a new game here? What's the game? Guess the suicide. 
No? Okay. Too dark? Okay. A little dark. Yeah, it's dark. I Bobby says Eddie committed suicide. Oh, that's fucked up. He shot himself. Oh, damn. I have a cousin who did that. Okay. Very close cousin. Yep. Pretty sad stuff, man. It is sad. He, uh, he, he, what kind of gun did he use? They don't say. Oh, hopefully it was a shotgun. Just so you, just, you know it's getting blown to pieces. Did you oh, know, by the, the way? Thing. Actually, let me, let me rephrase that. Yeah. If you're selfish, you do you do the shotgun, mm -hmm. but like that's the most gruesome way. It for is like the person to find you, but it's also the most effective way. I guess now so. I know this, yeah, because I was researching this oh God. when I was on like the eighth draft of my suicide letter, and I said I need to know. And shotgun is ninety nine percent effective <laughs> on the list. And so are pills. No, no, no. That's why they pump. You pump you. No, yeah, it's, pills yeah. are not a, Good. a guaranteed, but suicide but it's by dead. shotgun. It's a fun way to go, though. Has a 99% <laughs> effectiveness. <clears throat> like, I'm making jokes here, fellas. But, yeah, uh, you, you know, are. You know, call, call the hotline if you need it. Yeah, uh, if, yeah. let's not joke around about that. If you are experiencing any mental health issues, there are people to help. And not only that, uh, if nobody picks up the hotline, call me. <laughs> yeah, call Chris. I'll talk to you. Um, I'm not going to give out my private number, of okay, course, well, but all you got to do is uh, leave Instagram. five stars. <laughs> it's good. Leave a five-star hey review. Leave your suicide note in our, in our review, please. No, that's a joke, NSA. We're joking. Okay. So anyway, uh, David continues. Julian Assange. Let's go. David says, we buried him on Father's Day. Oh, God. Yesterday. Jesus. Yeah, but I mean. Oh, God. What is rough. Day. Obviously rough. Yeah. I gave the eulogy, and I don't remember everything I said, but I do remember. But then also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off. Kind of an OG move to bury him on Father's Day, because then it's just one day you got to think about That's it. That's a really good point. <laughs> just on Father's Day. Yeah. It's, it's like those children that get <laughs> fucked by having their birthday on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. No, dude, those people never get fucked. Oh, in yeah, my they do. In my experience. Okay. I didn't grow up in an affluent. I was middle of the middle, middle class. But everybody around me who yeah. had a birthday on or near, like we have a couple that are on uh, New Year's uh, on a uh, Christmas Eve. Yep. If it's near there, they always get two gifts. It's always. not about two, bro. Oh, you mean the overshadow? Who cares? Nobody cares. No. Here's Overshadowing? Yeah. No, they, they all come for you. That's what it's for. They come for your birthday. Santa and Jesus no, come no, for no, everybody, no, 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 no. bro. It's like your birthday. It's like your Jesus. Yeah. I, I have I a cousin. Know. Anyway, let's I go. just remember all my friends that had a birthday on Christmas. My they cousin. were like, it's the shittiest. Oh, man. My uh, complete opposite of my family. Yeah. Complete opposite. He loved having it on New Year's. Everybody would basically, I mean, on Christmas Eve, everybody would basically come to uh, his birthday. Yeah, but it's not like Santa comes down the chimney with a cake. You don't you don't get as many of your friends to be able to come to the parties as yeah, what absolutely. usually happens. But when you have a cool cousin like me, you know, doing drugs at 11, I'm just joking. No, I, you're not. I, was, I don't think you are. No, I am 100% joking. There was never drugs back in the, the uh, Smash Brothers days. Let's go. Anyway, David says, I do remember saying that my brother Eddie could light up a room with a smile. And Bobby says, why, Eddie? Why? Why, Eddie? I mean, why not me? I want to make so many jokes. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, I mean, light up, you know, he, there's other ways he lit it up. You know, <laughs> okay. And then once there was a hole, you could put a candle in his head and light mm -hmm. it up. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yep. Like I said, 
sometimes Dave will interject with jokes, <laughs> and sometimes he's just, just going to ball. I'm just interjecting. Yeah, sometimes he's just going to interject. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Bob, Bobby's uh, he's experiencing survivor's guilt. He says, I asked myself that a hundred times. I'd rather it had been me than Eddie. I don't know why Eddie, and why not me? Maybe it's just because I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't answer this. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing about suicide. It's like some people are going to think you're selfish. Some people want to do it for, like some people want to put themselves in your shoes there. And in the end, it's like the... You can't really, um, you know, you can't really play that game of um, I wish it were me kind of a thing. It's not like an accident on a train or something. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, you can't take somebody's pain from them. Right. Mental pain. Well, this kind of concludes the interview portion uh, with Bobby and David. And then we transition and we see them, uh, they're kind of both sh doing like regular stuff to get along with their lives. And we see him, yeah. you know, David Shaven getting ready for work. And he says, I'd like to know the truth about the experiment. My understanding within this small group of twins that were separated and studied, there was more than one suicide. It's almost impossible just to be a coincidence. Yeah. Well, Ellen Cervoni, this is David's old friend, she said, given Eddie's mental illness, who knows what's in their DNA? Did we ever find out mm -hmm. the hacky who was born first? No, but that's a very good point. Wow. Yeah, they didn't, they probably they didn't address know. that at all. They probably don't even know, really. No, but I will say this. Yes. Um, I, I did some investigations outside of the documentary. There was another twin. There was another sibling no that's bullshit i don't believe you there was i don't fucking believe you okay now you know i'm gonna tease you every now and then. i know you're gonna tease me for that i know you, i 100 know you're fucking with me this it time died at childbirth oh uh, you're bullshitting with I me i am not okay so there was a fourth i don't believe you but okay okay until and i watch it <laughs> you're not gonna watch exactly, it though are so you that's why i'm gonna call bullshit okay so here's the deal i'm listeners. gonna play chicken i'm gonna play chicken until this is gonna be the one time i beat you in poker Call bullshit. which is never yeah, never. Literally, you know what? Literally you just never. run really bad against me, though, too. Literally never. Well, I do th run bad against There was never. a fourth, and he died at childbirth. And we'll get to that a little bit later. It's really, it's actually written there? No, I did outside research. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, Dave. <clears throat> this show doesn't just start and end with me watching a documentary. Bullshit. Okay. Bullshit. <clears throat> there are other no, things. No, you put lots of, lots of time into this. The point is, there was a fourth. Now, you could say bullshit all day you want, but I'm telling my listeners. I believe you. Who I have an obligation oh, to tell the truth I'm to. I'm fucked now. I'm fucked. Yeah. Do you want to bet on no, this? No, I don't want to fucking bet There you. was a fourth. Cool. Um, so anyway, um, David says, if they have anything conclusive that is in any way predicting anything in the future that I need to know about, he's talking about for his own health. Right. I want to know about it. And Bobby adds, there's still much that we don't know. I have more questions than I have answers. Well, let's check in with Lawrence Wright. He's the one that broke this whole thing when he was doing research on twins for an article. He says, one of the things about being a journalist is that you don't know what you're going to find out. Sometimes you know so profound. what you didn't find out, which is frustrating, like this story. Well, I didn't get to the bottom of it because I never got to see the study. And no one has. Yep. 
That would be the bottom of it. But that's why this is so tantalizing. Now, remember our little research assistant. Yeah. She was like, this is the most groundbreaking study of monumental were her words. <laughs> I know, yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So And I and I in a sense I kind of sort of believe some that I'm sure there's good that ha- had come out of it. But that's the thing. They they can't release the research because How do you know? Because because it, it'll make them look worse. Imagine that. Okay, because well, it'll dehumanize. Okay, but you're blowing the, my lead a little bit. Oh, am I? I'm the just, records just, are sealed. Records are sealed huh? until 2065. Oh shit! Well, there you go. I mean, that's exactly the same. Yeah, it's because that's nuts. That's because they're a private company, right? And that and that and yeah, they're illegally. The, uh, no one. There's research, nothing illegal. Nothing illegal doing about the research, then, huh? Well, that they know of. Correct. But it's it'll definitely dehumanize like the whole corporation in like a you know overnight like it, at least with this is like this the way, Kennedy shit, semblance. bro. This is like the Kennedy shit. I know. Okay, I we know, know. know that it's crazy. There are complicit actors involved yeah, in yeah, Kennedy's yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. But these, I mean, as far as I know, they're still sealed. Right. I mean, I know that there were some FOIA requests where they released it something. Yeah. But nobody's been. No information's been released about yeah. Kennedy that said mm-hmm. E. Howard Hunt was involved or. James, yes, yeah, whatever yeah. or whoever, yes. there was a third shooter. I've always wondered is that, and this is just like very side note. I've always wondered if that that video of the clearly showing the driver shooting Kennedy. If there that's is real. no clear. Uh, are you talking? He's pretty clear, no, 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 dude. No, no, dude. There's, that was proven total bullshit. It's bullshit. Okay. Many times over. Okay, but okay. it's such a cool video though. Yeah, because you get on the internet and you're like, no, I mean, it's bro, cool. check no, I this mean, out. I know, I, I know I how Kennedy re- died. I don't retweet it. I, I'm just, I'm asking you. I've seen that video a million yeah. times. It's and you're probably ass. one of these guys that says, bro, watch the uh, lunar uh, landing when the astronauts left the moon. That's not real. That could never happen. The Earth is definitely flat okay. and space is fake. Okay. We're getting, we definitely land on the moon. We're, get, we're getting sidetracked here. So, you know, Lawrence says that would be the bottom of it, you know, getting this information. But that's why this story is so tantalizing. Now, before Dr. Neubauer passed away, he got him on the phone. And he describes Neubauer as reluctant. Uh, He says he'd never spoken about it to my knowledge. And he has a tape recording of his conversation with Dr. Neubauer. Who's he again? Sorry. Lawrence Wright, okay, Lawrence, the journalist okay. got it, got it. who who broke the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he plays Lawrence. The, he plays the tape. And Sorry. Lawrence says, okay, I've got it on now. Okay. How did this study come about, Neubauer? I, I tell you, I would rather not want to speak about it. Uh, oh, really? Pussy. Why? Well, Because you're a pussy. Until we've published it. Bullshit. Oh, uh-huh. In 100 years. When do you plan to publish it? <laughs> Well, in about years. maybe we would publish in a year yeah. uh, or maybe a year and a half from now. Well, uh-huh. Wright says he was certainly elusive and he was protecting something. Well, could you tell me a little bit about the scope of the study and how many people were involved in it? This study was only based on a small number of identical twins <laughs> separated at birth for many, many reasons. I don't want to talk about that now. We had to stop it because it became too expansive. Right. Too contentious, I'm sure. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Who was your primary support? Yeah. Uh, Mm. Oh, some private family foundations. Uh Uh-huh. 
We got some money from Washington. Uh-huh. Okay. Government. Well, Lawrence asks, private yeah. charities in Washington? What does that mean? <laughs> and I don't know where their funding comes from. I think there's a great deal of sensitivity about this story. There's a lot of powerful people who would like to have this story silenced. Mm. Well, the interview asked Lawrence, he says, what happened to the study as far as you are aware? Lawrence, well, before Dr. Neubauer died in twenty or 2008, he left all the research mis- materials in an archive at Yale University under seal for decades and decades. So as far as I know, nobody has been able to access it. Well, of course, David wants to weigh in here. Right. He says, well, what do we have to do here? Wow. And he logs on to the Yale University website, and he discovers that uh, the documents appear to be located somewhere in the Guide to Adoption Study Records of the Child Development Center. There's 66 boxes filled with information, charts, films, tapes, research findings, home visits, he says. That's a big one. It says the dates of the study were from 1960 to 1980. Mm. And he says, now, I guess our reunion kind of closed the study. Information about access, the records are restricted until, excuse me, I said 2065, 2066. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> all these 66s, huh? Interesting. Yeah. A lot of so, sixes and 66s. And... He says, so they did all that they did. You know what I'm getting at. Uh-huh. I think everybody does, Dave. Some of us connect dots quite easily around here. That Maybe 66 dots. That they hold this whole list tucked away in a dusty library somewhere where nobody can touch it. Mm-hmm. Now, he pokes around on the website and it says, researchers wishing to use these records before this date must secure written authorization from guess who? The President of the United States. The Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services. Yeah, that makes sense. The Jewish Board was the parent organization of the Child Development Center run by Dr. Peter Neubauer. The good old Jewish Board. My understanding is that they are very, they are a very, it says very twice, powerful. Very, very powerful. Organization. Yeah. With lobby. Deep political connections. Lobby. Well, David's not done. Mm-hmm. He calls him up. Guy answers the phone. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, sorry. <laughs> Guy answers the phone. It's funny you say that because it's just a regular guy. <laughs> oh, man. And he says, thank you for calling the Jewish Board of Family and uh, Children's Services. Hello, David. Yeah. Hi, my name is David Kellerman. Uh, apparently, I was... I was a subject of a study run by the Child Development Center many years ago, and apparently it's being kept at Yale University. Hold on, one moment, please. That's what I was waiting for, too. Hello, this is Germany. How can I help you? What? No, what? No, I'm just joking. Guy says yes. Yes. Well, David says, well, on their website, it says I would need permission from the board in order to gain access to those records. Right. And so I wonder if there's an actual, like how many people are on the actual board, the Jewish board? The way I look at this <laughs> is the guy answers the phone yeah. and there's like a little, uh, another phone next to him. Yeah. And it says, 
in case you ever get the call, yeah. immediately reroute. Yeah. And then he presses a button, mm -hmm. and then you see the wires go all the way around, and then somebody <laughs> at Langley picks up, <laughs> and it says, they finally called. All right, uh, go ahead and initiate uh, yeah. Operation Project, Condor. Project, Project 66. <laughs> right. Well, he says, I don't know how, you know. Order, I got order 66. Exactly. I, don't, I don't know how I got you. Uh, but this reception has transferred me to you. And he says, huh, okay. Um, I'm not aware of any of that stuff or that study. So Lauren says, there have been a number of journalists. And as far as I know, some of the twins that were involved in this study who have tried to gain access to this material. And uh, as far as I know, none of them have been able to see results. Yeah. Well, David, he's still on the phone. He says, is there a way I could go directly to someone that would be able to provide access to me as I was one of the subjects within the study? Lawrence picks up and he says, if anybody should have the right to see all this material, it's the people that were actually the subject of the study. They should know what was learned. Right. Back to the uh, operator for the Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services. There's probably so much shit written on there, like... Stupid goy, stupid, all kinds of shit like fucking what, like racist fuck stuff, go, like not real, not really a Jew, gay goy, all kinds of shit like that. I mean, this is the guy on the yeah. phone. He's talking to you. the goy. Yeah, I'm just joking. I mean, I have no idea who would even be the one to ask right now. Um, I need to look into this. David, well, just so you know, you're like the first line of defense for me, so to speak. Yeah. Ooh, I like how he's like trying to get the guy on his side. Yeah. And the guy's like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, sir. I feel like I'm the first line of defense. Yeah. I see what you mean. Okay. Oh, the first. Yes. Against him. He's like, he's their first line of defense. Yeah. But he's also at the same time saying like, you're my first ally I've made. Oh, first ally. Okay. Right. That right, I've been right, working it, with yeah, yeah, as yeah, I've been yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. contact. Yeah. Him. Yeah. 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 That's what I was thinking, too. Okay, David, that's what it means. David, okay. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and send you an email, and I'll put in the subject line, twin studies. Okay. Well, David says Louise Y services has been closed for a long time ago. Uh, Neubauer's dead. Yeah. And yet we still don't know exactly what they were looking for mm -hmm. or what they found out. Right. They wanted to find Jesus' bloodline. The, the Merovingians? Yeah, the Merovingians. Well, Jesus was a Jew, right? So yes, he was a, a bad, Jew. Not a bad place to start, I guess, with triplets. Yeah. Well, let's go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's time to meet Dr. Lawrence Perlman. Mm. This guy's a complete fucking weirdo. Different Lawrence. Yes, this is Perlman. Yes. He's blown out. His okay? bottle is... No. <laughs> his, he's he's crazy person. Yeah, his head's blown out. His mind. His mind's yeah, blown yeah. out, right. His ears. <laughs> I get what you mean, dummy. So, okay. Let's go. He was a research assistant on the twin study from 68 to 69. Okay. He says, I'm a clinical psychologist and I was a research assistant on Peter Neubauer's study. I believe I am the only person who worked on this study who is willing to go on record about what was done. Mm -hmm. I was 24 years old. Mm -hmm. It was my first job. Whistleblower. You know, you had to be careful not to let on that, oh, gee, 
you look exactly like your twin brother. Right. No shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you cannot tell them that you know that they are twins. I would have been fired on the spot. Obviously. Right? Yeah. It was very tempting. Yeah. There was there was a little temptation. It's like, hey, I know your twin. Oh, I know, right? I what saw a somebody a week ago. Piece of shit. Who is exactly like you. Don't even you're looking at me like that, like he's in a scary way. Like, he's a creep. Ugh. To question whether I feel guilty is interesting because I never felt a responsibility. I came on after this was designed. It's 24. However, I was a participant, so you could say I was ethically compromised. Oh, God. In retrospect, I think it was undoubtedly ethically wrong. This guy's cleanliness is compromised. I got Does some... Look greasy? He's uh, he's a... Yeah, he's, he's unkempt. He's, he's unkempt. Yeah, he's frizzy hair. Did we go over that one time? That is the word unkempt. Of course, it's the word. What do you, we've never gone over this. Do you need unkempt? No, it's unkempt. I know that we went over this. We didn't. We did. You had a conversation with somebody else. No. He says, "I got some notes here." Okay. Okay. These are my actual notes. Now he's pulling out old handwritten oh, boy. notes. I got those too. Uh, copies of psychologicals that I did uh, interviewer and who in particular are in these files? Well, I I have the triplets. Hmm. Okay, here we go. I'm not sh- I'm not going to n- mention the name, but uh, he's a loud, energetic boy. <laughs> okay. He needs to establish his autonomy. We know who that is. Takes to the form of showing off both his intelligence and his strength. And putting down others, including his parents. <laughs> he laughs. He starts laughing. He fucking laughs. What a piece of shit. Yeah, this one's eager to show off his new yeah, bicycle. Blow his head off, too, and, this uh, one. <laughs> and all of his sports equipment. Yeah. Well, I filmed him. He was very intense in his play and got quite rough. This kid had some problems. Hyper aggressiveness. Okay, so apparently these parents are not cognizant of his problems. He's reading through his notes here. Nor are they able to help him understand his weaknesses and establish more appropriate control. Oh, thanks for helping, Doc. Act. Yeah. So I don't think his parents were very tuned in <clears throat> that's to the why, struggle. This yes. This is why they can't release This is why they should shit. all be shot and killed. Well, yeah, that's why they can't release any shit because it just makes them look even worse than they, we already think. Yep. So I don't think his parents were uh, very tuned into the struggles this youngster was having. Uh, what were the findings of the study? I had no idea. I had no idea because I left the study after 10 months and the results were never published. All I have is my little piece. It's a mystery. It's a huge loss. Yeah. All this important scientific data. That guy is like a given whistleblower. That's like who they gave him. They're like, just, we'll give you this guy. He's got 10 months of shit. But that's. It's bad, but it's not. So you think he's a plant to come out? I mean, at this point, you don't really ever know. I'm just guessing here and having fun with it, really. But like. That it it's always like that. It's always like right. it's, it's disinformation always, by mis- my information. Or it's just like it's always the guy that was there for one year. Yeah, yeah. And it's because everybody else who's been there for ten years, are, they're still in the group. Well, and then like these people have clearances and all kinds of shit. And you don't want to lose your clearance, and you know what I mean, like, or you don't want to lose the club status, so you go keep going along with it. Well, I pay attention to patterns. We already had one whistleblower who said I had to go to Switzerland. Um, you know, and now we have this guy who's like a fragment of the puzzle. <laughs> well, the interviewer 
looks at Perlman and says, so many people have speculated that the purpose of the study, ultimate purpose, was looking at mental health. And Perlman says, ah, there was, there was never a mention of mental health of the biological parents when I was in the study. We were not interested in mental health. That's not what we were interested in. We were looking for differences in parenting. We wanted to understand parenting practices. That's how they, that's how they disguise it. It's a nature versus nurture. What they're really looking for is the nature. What they're really looking at closely mm -hmm. is the nature. But then they're showing you with this hand, the nurture. Like, no, no, we just want to see if it's this way. It's not like it's not it doesn't seem as devious. It's like we're only recording the things that the person is doing. Mm -hmm. We're not like setting them into a place knowing that one of them might be fucking crazy and not helping him because we want to see the effects of said thing right fucked up dude yeah again he says we wanted to understand parenting practices and how it would affect development you're saying that's bullshit no no well no no you're no, saying that, it's part that, of it. that is that is the thing but that's how they trick you because what they're really looking this is like this is like saying okay uh, this is a bad example but it's like saying all of your examples no are no, no but listen but like like okay <laughs> like uh, if you wanted to see if a sexually transmitted disease is transferred through a mother or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, it would be unethical, unethical, I don't know which one of the word is, to give the mother AIDS, uh -huh. let's just say, to yeah. see that, just to see if the thing. Okay, so you look for somebody with AIDS, uh -huh. and then you also look for one that's pregnant. Now With AIDS? With AIDS. Uh -huh. Now, the ethical thing to do here is to probably i don't know abort the baby i guess like it, because you don't know if the baby's gonna come out with a with some kind of disfigurement not ethical to abort a baby that i'm mother just has, no no but i'm just i'm giving this is why i'm saying it's a good there's example. aids babies all the time brother but we don't I'm, abort I, i'm giving an example but i'm saying if you don't know okay but the but the <laughs> keep, going, keep going basically what i'm saying is you're you're using the like no no, no we want to see if nurturing the child is going to uh -huh. do this but what they really want to see is if the craziness is transferred through to the child because they could theoretically do the nature thing uh just by following the nurture thing by following the thing like following the people if they're uh -huh. just looking at but they have to know that the thing is crazy the parent is crazy okay. before they can say that it's nature versus nurture because okay. they have to know so that the lady's crazy. I hear what you're you saying. You see what I mean? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the parents, so what are, I was trying to the say parents is you, aren't crazy, you get a, but their mom was crazy. You get and a, they knew that. You get that's a, what you're saying. You get an 18-year-old that yeah. does not have AIDS, uh -huh. then you give her AIDS uh -huh. and a baby at the same time, uh -huh. and then you see if it's transferred. All right, anyway. If anybody understands what Dave just said, please let me know. <laughs> a five-star review. Please let me know. And your suicide note. Okay, uh, so Lawrence says, so you're saying that they were interested more in the family dynamic. I think I'm going to be causing more people to kill themselves by the end of this episode than these people. I, I think you might be an AIDS baby and you're trying to come out. Is that what's going on? Yeah, my, my, my father was gay, yes. <laughs> you don't have to be gay to get AIDS, okay? <laughs> That's what you think. Okay. Again, Lawrence says, so you're saying that they were interested more in the family dynamics, but they couldn't have known that. They didn't know how the families were going to interact with this newly adopted child. 
the only way they could possibly know about the family dynamics was if they already had a child placed in that family. I swear to God, I thought you were going to say if they already had AIDS. Oh, I no. swear, or HIV. No, I almost said that. All right. We see a flashback here. Sorry. Okay. And another reminder of an earlier revelation. Another astonishing coincidence in the story is that each of the brothers, if you'll recall, mm-hmm. before they joined the families, all families had adopted a sister yes. who were all exactly 21 years Fuck, old. Fuck, let's keep going. I love this. Okay. And they're all twins, right? It's never... No, 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 no. Trippies too? No, 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 no. Okay. Every... Oh, oh, this not unrelated. Got it, got okay. it, got it, got it. So all these families yeah. initially adopted a 21... Year, well, a girl. A girl. Okay? Yes. But now they're 21. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Got it. So got to I'm guessing they were like two or three years ahead before each one got one of the uh, the triplets. Sure, sure. Well, Dr. Lawrence Perlman, he says the triplets, they all had an older sibling. They were placed in families where there was an older adopted child that had been placed with them by Louise Wise. That was part of the design. Well, we see Bobby and David reunite on screen. Uh, as the older adults we've met in this film. And the interviewer says, I just want to show you guys a clip. It's Lawrence Perlman, who was uh, a researcher on the study. So they open the laptop, and then the guys start watching it from what we saw earlier from Perlman. Okay. And the interviewer says, what were the findings of the study? I have no idea because they were never published. This, of course, is you know Perlman responding. We were looking for differences in parenting. We wanted to understand parenting practices and how it would affect development. The triplets were placed in families where there was an older adopted child that had been placed with them by Louise Wise. That was part of the design. How do you feel about watching that? David, like a lab rat. Bobby, it only makes it that much... He can't finish the sentence. Yeah. He's he's like stunned by this revelation right. and says, David picks up and says that much worse. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bobby <laughs> he, says, he knew what he meant. Yeah. Bobby says, it just makes it that much more duplicitous. They're not just studying the kids, but they're studying the parents. Yeah. David. So they did in fact, know the parenting style of each parent. So this was not, you know, obviously it was far from a random selection. Right. I mean, okay, so I see I see the the angle now and um I see that they're actually they're just trying to gather as much information as they possibly can. So I'm saying it's from probably a multiple angle. There's exactly. There's so much going on here now. That's the, crazy. Yeah. They're going after the they're looking for the parents. They got the extra sibling in the, and know, then they so could see how the shit, extra man. sibling Turns reacts oh, to man. but then also again there's no mention of this. <sighs> Was the extra sibling from a mentally ill parent yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah, Would that yeah, affect yeah. The, the child's and, development? And this, and this is one part of the study. There's probably a whole other mirrored part of the study, which is why they can't Bro, release it's an any... En- it's a mystery wrapped inside of a riddle inside of an enigma. Yes, that's my point. That's why this is so fascinating. Bobby says they knew exactly who... They had chosen to place each of us with when they called the Gallons, the Kelmans, and the Shaffrins. Well, let's check in with Alice Shaffrin. Now, this is Bobby's stepmother. In terms of how they parented their children, 
the three families were quite different. David's father stood out. There was nobody in the world like his son. Now, this is Bubla. 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 He was so proud of him. Right. Whatever he did was wonderful. That's David. Yeah. Bubla. Bobby's David's dad. And they're, the, chief, they're, the, they're the poorest. Yeah. Economic. Yeah. Bobby's father was a very busy doctor, and he didn't have time to be with mm. Bobby that mm-hmm. David's father had. Mm. But he was as devoted to him as possible. Mm-hmm. The most traditional was Eddie's father, yeah. who was rather strict. Right. He was the boss. He made the rules, and Eddie was supposed to follow him. Yes. So did this he factor, didn't like that. Well, did this factor in well, to Eddie's know. suicide? It's tough. Tough to think about it. Well, David's aunt says Eddie's relationship with his father, it couldn't have been good, and that matters. Well, why do you say it couldn't have been good the interviewer asks. And Hetty says, because otherwise, I would have known him. We would have seen him. Eddie would have talked about him. Now, yeah. that's a pretty telling statement. I never met him. It doesn't sound like this guy was around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and I mean, we all know what it's... Well, we don't all know, but... So basically, up- these fucking... These people, like, could have maybe helped the guy that ha- didn't have enough uh, fatherly absolutely in his in his life just but they were extremely aware of it and just kill the fuck him let him kill himself they were extremely aware at what age i mean this he died after they met so in there it was 95 so he was like 34 no it was 34 35 years old man rough yeah (sighs) ah rough 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 and yeah and some some shit like that's not going to be solved in 10 years is it ever going to be solved I mean, with therapy, I think it's stuff like that oh, can yeah, be yeah, stopped. Yeah. It can be. Well, let's meet Eddie's father, Elliot. He's older now. And he says, this was the last picture we ever had of Edward. He was very gregarious. He got into all the things young boys do. He wrecked a car, a few things like that. But I, I mean, occasionally I disciplined him. Well, remember Brenda and Eddie, and Bre- Bre- Brenda's yeah. wife? Yeah. She says, Eddie... And his dad were very different as people. Eddie was more uh, artsy kind of kid. You know, he wasn't into sports. And Elliot had a very strong militaristic kind of approach to life. Very traditional. He was a teacher and he was all about punctuality. And, And Elliot admits this. He says, I was a strict disciplinarian. And my children, unfortunately had me as a strict disciplinarian too. And Brenda says, Eddie said he was always sort of like didn't fit in with his family. And he always felt like he wasn't in the right place. How much did you have any sense that Edward was unhappy? This is the interviewer asking his father. He didn't discuss his problems with me. We were a rather quiet family. We didn't tell our problems to one another. We protected each other. It was a nice family. <laughs> it sounds cold. Yeah, it sounds mean, cold and unloving to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. my question is, does this go more to, it's not just a middle class family we're There's putting so him in. There's so many things Did here. they do search research on this guy? Here's another fucked up thing about all this too. Yep. Is that they do they do this shit on purpose too, in the sense that they, they are, they're taking so <laughs> many data points yeah. that 
not only like the at any point that you try to come back to them and see like you would have known this you would have blah 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 they'll just come back to you no actually if we would have done this then blah 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 or we'd have like they're able to spin the stats into their own favor also yeah so that's why it's like it's so fucked up and it's like it's interve- it's uninterventionalists or deinterventionalists or whatever and it's okay, like here here's my it's, here's, man here's, it's just Here's, here's my guess of what the 80s are doing this here, shit. Here's what my guess is to what really happened. Beyond. This is what I think really happened. Yeah. The twi- the the women go in first, the girls. Yeah. The older sisters. Sure. That is their entree into, yeah. of course, because I'm Being assuming a normal family. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. That is their entree into meeting these parents. Oh, now, this yes. was not discussed, but You're this right. is what I'm guessing happened. You're right, because they also need to have a control situation for the parents. It's not just how much money you make. And wow, yeah, good point. But here's the thing: while they're in there, yeah, they haven't decided necessarily that the triplets are going to go right. in. No, hundred percent. But then once they realize, Bubba is this massively loving, yeah, father wears his heart on his sleeve. There's like that's a specific type of parenting. Yeah. Then they go to Elliot and yeah. they're like, every time we're here looking at Susie, this guy acts like he doesn't care. He's very uh, self-absorbed, uninvolved. Right. And then they're like, okay, well, that's a parent that is the polar opposite yeah. from David. And then, and then of course, they go to Bobby's father and they're <laughs> like, well, this guy's obviously a totally wild card too. He's very affluent. Maybe his personality lies somewhere in between. But yeah. this is a great three yeah. three distinct families. Yeah, fuck, man. It's crazy. Well, <sighs> so nuts. You know, um, David says some people are just not a good fit. It wasn't his father's fault. Elliot did what he believed to be best as a parent. They were just different people. Well, next we see a shot of Elliot drinking whiskey and petting a cat. And Is the like, cat hairless? No. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Bigglesworth? Yeah, you're trying to make him pure evil. Yes. And I don't think that's fair to okay. do to this guy. Sure. Because I don't think he is pure evil. Got it. But, you know, there yeah, are people... Yeah, I mean, people, in some sense, this guy's a victim also. Correct. And there are Poor people... Poor guy was just trying to fucking adopt a goddamn couple kids. Couple mm-hmm. of them. Yep. And then they even came to him second, like they had already adopted a daughter. Yep. And they came to him and like, they probably came to him. I mean, maybe not, or maybe they they maybe they didn't come to them, but maybe they like sent out flyers, like no, you no, got no, a no. kid, but maybe think about a second kid. Here's you the can thing: get a tax break or something. Here's the thing: all these families went to Louise Wise because okay. they knew that's what you say. But I they could be wrong. They could have sent a subliminal messaging. Well, like, the only they reason I say that me- is they all wanted Jewish babies, and I think <laughs> Louise Wise was the Jewish baby vendor at Little the time. Jewish babies. I don't think there was. And based on code and rules of religious adoptions yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. You probably had to go. It was the only game in town yeah. to get a Jew baby. Yeah, you know what <laughs> I mean, Jew baby. So that tells got me a guaranteed it's circumcised. We know that tells me they were all uh, under the influence of Louise Weiss. Right. You know, of course, and Newbauer's got access and to barbiturates. all all of this information mm-hmm. before he even decides before you know to pull up this study right you know he's like oh wait a minute can i look at all these records because i have this hot idea of nature versus nurture yeah but again when we talk about the study 
I'm with you. I think it was coming from multiple angles. Hundred percent. I don't they think have this to, is because right because it's this part of it too. It's like you are dealing with the human life here, right? So I think in some level of uh, humanity and ethics, you're like, all right, well, let's just try to capture as much data as possible. Exactly. We're not just going for the kids. We're going for the sister, the parent. We're gonna correct what kind of fucking dog they have. Yeah, how how Where do economics? They go? But here's Where the thing: they go on vacation? how economics yes. uh, apply. But it's not how, just that. How different parenting styles apply. Right. How right. geographically yes. different things apply. Yes. Uh, but it, it see when we thought that now when mm-hmm. we're looking at it and thinking, okay, um, maybe they just split them up by by. Um, by by like how much their parents make every year or whatever. Yeah. Now we're starting to think, all right, maybe they didn't just break them up by that. Maybe that's what bro- I'm saying. Maybe they put yeah, one by a nuclear yeah, reactor. Yeah, or, or, yeah, or like, okay. yeah, more and that's dangerous too. <laughs> now you're putting now you you've recognized yeah. that this person may not be stable yeah. as a father, maybe. But you've now outreached another child. Dangerous, right. dangerous. Let's get back to Elliot. He says, I got uh the phone call and it was Bobby. And he told me to sit down, and I said, no need to. And he told me about it. That's weird, too. He's, yeah. That's a description of his personality. Yeah. And then standing right there, I went over to my wife and told her Edward had committed suicide. We stood there for quite a while crying, and that was it. I often wondered whether I didn't teach him something because of the way he left. I don't know. Maybe I didn't teach him something, how to live life or something. That bothers me occasionally. I wonder if they like. <clears throat> this is how you know it's some shady ass shit coming on. Imagine the the people who are conducting the research. They're like, one final question: Did you feel anything at uh, you know five forty five? Oh yeah, yeah on right, June, right, whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> did you feel anything? Did you feel a little headache uh, maybe or something? Well, Ellen, uh, this is David's friend. She says, "Why did the boys' lives turn out completely different?" I don't need to read any books. I don't need to read any studies. I saw it firsthand with those three boys. It's all about nurture. Okay. We flash back to the boys on the Phil Donahue show. Um, We see them all seated in the exact same way. Their legs are crossed. Yeah. The exact same way. Sure. And that's perception. uh, Howard from Newsday says, we found a lot of similarities because that's what people were looking for. They smoke the same kind of cigarettes. You say, oh my God, they're smoking Marlboros. That's amazing. Not not to mention Marlboros is the number one selling cigarette in the world. Exactly. What you're not looking for are the differences. Yeah. Well, Bobby says, we found the ways that we were alike and we emphasized them and we wanted to be alike. We were falling in love with each other at the time. And Brenda says, I think there were superficialities. Yeah. They liked the same things and they had similar interests, but deep down, they were very different. They were not a case study of biological bio, biology being destiny. <laughs> well, Lawrence says, I've come, this is right, not Perlman, I've come to believe Genes and the environment are close competitors. You could say that we drift in the direction that our genes tell us to go, but it doesn't mean you are destined to be one person or another. And David says, I believe that I'm still here today because of the foundation 
that was given to me by my parents. I believe that absolutely made the difference in terms of struggling with whatever demons I struggle with. And David's aunt says, I believe nature and nurture both matter, Mm -hmm. but I think nurture can overcome nearly anything. Yeah, it's your proclivity to smoking, not the type of cigarettes. It's the proclivity to drinking, not the type of beer. You know what I mean? Buddy, it's bubble versus... I don't want to say an absentee I mean, but they father, both, but they all, but they smoked. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like those, like the smoking and the drinking and the partying, like those things are also part of part of it. Like, it's like the pro the proclivity to doing these things. Okay, but let's go back. Can to be one thing. Let's go back to. No, I'm just saying these yeah, are yeah. part. May, you know, okay, it's but, all. You but know. let's go back to something that I think is very important. Sure. When these children first found each other, Bubala said. It's like I have three sons now. Yeah. Uh, somebody was quoted as saying, they all spent the most time with Bubba. No, I get it. No, I, that's, I totally... that's, that's a huge tell. Yeah. That says <clears throat> these boys yeah. were attracted yeah. to one of the fathers yeah. primarily as opposed to the other two. Sure. Well, I think the reason is that father was a good father. Not only a good father, yeah. he was a loving father. Loving, yeah. And he wanted, he embraced this. Sure. It doesn't sound to me we had the same reaction from these other two fathers. No, I agree. I agree. Well, let's keep moving on. Well, next we see some text that says, as a result of events shown in this film, the Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services is providing David and Robert with the study records they've requested. Right. That's good news, right? Sure. Well, more than 10,000 pages have been released since the completion of filming. However, Mm -hmm. the records contain no formal conclusions, and they have been heavily redacted. Of course they did. To protect the identity of other subjects in the study. Yes, like the people performing on the subjects, possibly. Probably everybody. Uh, Lawrence says, because the study's never been published, we simply (laughs) don't know definitively how many people's lives were separated in this fashion. Right. Well, Bobby says, there may be twins out there who still don't know that they're twins. Right. And Perlman, he says... There's probably at least four individuals who were subjects of the study who don't know that they have a twin. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking the over on that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, David, four sets, maybe. Yeah. David says, if they know that there are still twins out there that are missing out on life, yeah. it boggles the mind. I mean, you got to mitigate for lawsuits at this point. Because I mean, now if you release the papers, they're like, oh my God, now you're just gonna be sued into oblivion what if it's like a thousand sets of twins dude? i mean it's gotta be dude i don't on. think it's that many but i would say it's probably dozens you know you imagine every set of twins that was um let's say abandoned or whatever mm-hmm. that was gonna be um adopted probably every single set of twins that came out of that thing had some kind of study attached to them I'm ready to say that. Oh, that's even not even a part of this study, but maybe like oh, a, a parallel study. Of different studies yeah. going on. There's not just one study going well, on. Well, remember thing. old uh, Natasha Josephitz? She's the one that liked to p- parade pictures of Michelle Obama around in her house and was okay. the research assistant. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one that fled. Yeah. She yep. says there's two ways of thinking about it. These people really should know that there is a twin, 
or, oh my God, these people should not know that they were used this way. That will make them so upset. Maybe this is why the study cannot be published as yet until they're gone. Yep. Fuck. Well, Lawrence says it really opens up the possibility. Anybody can just walk around the corner and discover that you have a twin out there. I mean, there's a possibility I'm still alive around that point. You, you for sure not. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but I might be around. Uh, well, this At is worth 100, literally. Uh, dude, I'm going to outlive you. There's no question I'm outliving no, you. Not happening. You want to wager? <laughs> you you want to put the money you, in escrow? You fucking gambling. No. <sighs> put the money in escrow. Yeah. Then they're going to get the money. No, the I'm going to get the money. No, for one year. For, would it, before. Before you even You're get my so money, right <laughs> before you even. By get the way, the money, we took a big break, everybody. Yeah. Before you get the money, they're uh-huh. gonna, you're gonna die, and they're gonna end up having it. That's just how it works. Who's gonna end up having it? The escrow company. No, that's not how it works. Uh, okay, well, here's so you know, the film ends here. Sure. And at this point, we see video footage. Okay. Of the three boys. Aw. And they're doing the classic square peg in the round hole. You know. No. Yeah. Like as like next to it's, each other? N- no, different. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. They're all getting yeah. got it, got it, getting got the it, footage, it. but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. the actual footage, right, right, right. Fuck from the the tests that they took when they were children. Now, um, I've got a few um, goodies for you. All right, I love goodies, baby. Um, I did a, a little researching, and according to an article I read, the three brother brothers that were born to that single woman on July 12, 1961, they were not alone. There was, they were actually quadruplets. Wow. Yeah. And this is the part that wow. you may believe now okay. because I have it written down right here <laughs> and I would never fake that. And then you write down, Dave, you fucking idiot. He yes. wrote it right there. No, yeah. Well, quadruplets, wow, interesting. Yeah. And <laughs> decades later, at the age of 56, mm-hmm. the brothers are still learning about their commonalities. Wow. And as boys... Kellerman, that's David, and Shafrin, that's Bobby, they shared the same vision problem. Hmm. It's called ambly, amblyopia, a condition in which the brain and the eye are out of sync, hmm. resulting in a lazy eye. Oh. But here's the thing. Kellman was treated for the ailment. He was the only one. And that is a fact that infuriates the siblings. Oh. Now, on a quick note... Aha! On a quick note... Um, we talked about the odds of having these multiple births. So, um, twins, this is monozygotic, okay. meaning identical. Right. Twins, according to my latest research, is one in 250. Mm-hmm. Triplets, now, if I recall, it said one in a million. Okay. According to this documentation, I have one in 62,500 pregnancies. Whoa. Now, what do you think quadruplets would be? Because they were actually... That's got to be one in a million. It's one in 15 million. Wow. And then quintuplets is... So wait a minute. There seems to be a real disconnect there, but I, okay. I, no, maybe not. Maybe not. So they're saying for triplets, it's really one out of 62,000? Yeah. Wow. Maybe yeah. we're just fucking a lot more now. Uh, quintuplets is one in 3 billion, 900 Whoa. million. Whoa. So think about that. What does that extrapolate to that octomom? That's got to be. Yeah, that's. But like, didn't she no, do in vitro or thing, had some yeah. help? When you start having some unnatural shit, of course, unnatural shit's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you start yeah, having yeah. eight kids and shit. Yeah. <clears throat> well, 
eight dumb kids. I found an article written by uh, a woman by the name of Sarah Stewart, and this is via the New York Post. Before the babies were placed in their adoptive homes, the agency had told the prospective parents that the children were part of a, quote, routine child development study, unquote. The parents say it was strongly implied that participation in the study would increase their chances of being of able to adopt the boys. Yeah. Now for They're the first in front of them. Yeah. Now for the first 10 years of their lives, the siblings were each visited by research assistants led by Neubauer. Um, and it appears that there were at least four of these visits a year for the first two years mm. and a minimum of one visit per year after that. This is according to Tim Wardle, the director. Now, officially, the study went on for a decade. Wow. However, Wardle says, it's clear from some of the study records that the scientists continued to follow from a distance Mm. to collect data of the triplets' Mm -hmm. progress for many years after this. So that means you ever have that feeling like someone's following you? That's Yes. They were... They probably had yeah. that feeling all the time. And that's what I'm saying. That's why they give up this Joe Schmo guy. Then what about those guys that were following? I mean, obviously they're dead now. Yeah. But what about those people that were following motherfuckers for tens of years? The that's, point is, what are you this looking guy that worked for? There for one year. What are you looking for if you're following them from a distance? Yeah, I mean, they want it's part of it's their own research. It's yeah. part of their identity. Yeah. They've been working on it for so long. They're ingrained. They're entwined. I wonder if they were doing it clandestinely, though. Like, <sighs> sad. You know, um, like surreptitiously videotaping yeah. them without their, you know, knowledge. You just find out all those '80s like videos of like. Uh, remember, we used to have like a video of like oh, my archangel saved me and all that stuff. No, no, you remember? Uh, that was like I feel like it was like an early '90s kind of a thing where it's like. You know, they have these like miracle shows, like sort of like um different than the than the than the strange and odd stuff. Like um what's the Ripley's Believe or Not? They had that yeah, show. Yeah. They also had like a version similar to that, which was just like miracles that happened. Yeah, it's called Unsolved Mysteries. Unexplained well, okay. circumstances. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries was like way more hardcore. Yeah. Well, but that here's like, my point. Yeah. If someone's following you around and you don't know, what yeah. if they're finding things that made it into the report that like uh, Bobby has uh, a mistress, oh, or, yeah. or Eddie frequents uh, rub and tugs. Right. You know all this kind of stuff. He's Uncle Dave there, sure. Somebody's been following these guys around their entire lives. It's gross. Well, that era, so gross. The fifties and sixties was the wild west of psychology. Wardle said, "The milligram experiment, uh, experiments on human obedience, the Stanford Prison Experiment." Psychology, psychology was trying to establish itself as a new science, and people were pushing the envelope. Yeah. Still, Neubauer and his associates were not roundly accepted, says Wardle. They approached other agencies to be part of the study and were told, you can't split up twins and triplets. What are you thinking? Yep. So this means if they approached other agencies, of course, they would have been non-Jewish babies. So then their research could have been even deeper because they could have been like, here's the Catholic twins yeah. and triplets. Like, Here's yeah, the Muslim gotta, twins and triplets. I guess we just have to deal with the Jewish babies then. Well, it's just crazy that they tried to get even more yeah. involved. But that tells me maybe it wasn't just the Jewish board that was involved in doing the funding. No, it's definitely the government. Okay. The Jewish ones <laughs> are just like, yeah, well, we don't go fuck. We'll do whatever. 
we'll do this if you do the things that we want you to do, like to nine eleven, like to, no, like <laughs> sell Israel jets and shit. Oh yeah, got it. So yeah. these tests were for uh, every set of triplets, we get an F sixteen. These these tests um, were cognitive, like the puzzles and drawings. Yeah, they were always filmed. Now behavioral problems were evident almost immediately in the triplets. Yeah. Now, Kelman says this was due to our separation anxiety, which he discussed in the film. But mental health issues continued, uh, as we discussed. So by the time they were college age, Kelman and Galland, uh, that's Eddie and David, they'd already been in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Wow. And then Shaffron, he was the one that was involved in the probation thing for covering for his buddy that was involved in a murder. I'm waiting for the civil lawsuit. Well, those who were studying us saw there was a problem happening. Yeah. And they could have helped, David says. That's the thing that angers me the most. They could have helped, and they didn't. Yeah. Gross. Now, <clears throat> David talks about the initial connection, and he says we were sort of following in love at the time. It was like, oh, you like this thing? I love that. Yeah. There was definitely a desire to like the same things. And yes, to be the same. Agreeable, of course. And like you're banking on it. You're doing a show mm-hmm. about it. It's obviously. But as the more time they spent together, he recalled, there would always be times when one of us was closer to the other. And it was no fun to be the odd man out. Aww. So maybe this was Eddie. Maybe yeah. he was the guy that was the otter. And he couldn't outer. handle it when he was when they went through the other ebbs and flows of hanging out with each other. Maybe. Aww. Um in nineteen eighty eight. I did get a little I bit was more. Two years old. <laughs> I did get a little more information on the restaurant. It wasn't just called Triplets. It was called yeah. Triplets Romanian Steakhouse. Whoa. Yep. Random. Uh, closed in 2000. Uh, Shafford says we did a lot of crazy things. We marched down 42nd Street with one of us perched on the other two shoulders, stopping traffic. Oh. Uh, one night they ran into fame. Wild and crazy guys. One night they ran into the famed celebrity uh, photographer. Hey, photographers, uh, Annie Leibovitz. <laughs> photographers? That's a bop it is. I'm, you're yeah, not even... Photographers. I thought you were a homeless cat. Hey, photographers. Photographers. <laughs> anyway, um, she said, hey, I work for the Village Voice in Rolling Stone. Let me hang out and take your picture. So she took us to the Peppermint Lounge and the Mud Club. Mud Club. We were wearing these Izod Lacoste shirts and like oh. matching white jeans, going to places where people... Uh, had multiple piercings and all kinds of color in their hair, and we felt like virgins in a brothel. Mm. Remember the Desperately Seeking Susan thing? Yeah. So they were actually spotted by the film's director, Susan uh, Seidelman. And she Mm. was like, you're the guys. Please be in my film. Madonna. Yeah. And uh, Bobby says, we were kind of cautious about doing it because the whole whole crew had this sort of leathery punk look. Now... Uh, the film doesn't discuss this, but eventually the brothers all uh, not only got married, but they all had kids. Okay. So David had uh, J- uh, a daughter named Janet. Um, excuse me, David and Janet had mm-hmm. two daughters. Okay. Um, uh, Robert and Eileen had a daughter um, and a son. And then Eddie and Brenda <laughs> yeah. had one daughter named Jamie. So they all three of them had kids. Yep. That's nice. Well... A heartbreaking detail that oh, isn't in no. the film. No, it was kind. We discussed it a little bit, 
but it's the fact that Eddie moved. Remember how Eddie lived across the street from David? Yes. It wasn't the first time. He'd moved multiple times so he could be close to his brothers. Oh. He did it three times. Okay. Um, You're saying Eddie did that? Yeah. Wanted to move closer. Yeah, because the, the, the day they find out Eddie's dead, yeah. David calls his wife and says, there's yeah. a car in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. But he'd moved, I know his, that. I know, I he'd know. moved his house multiple times. Yeah, because every time they moved, he had to move. Now, this tells me again that my theory is correct and that he wanted to be the closest to these brothers because he didn't have the same life that they had growing 100%, up. 100%, man. Um. It would be fair to say the relationship was very strained from the point uh, when Bobby left the restaurant, says Wardle, um, who says the two remaining brothers did begin to get somewhat closer over the course of making the film. Mm -hmm. Now, today, Bobby, he's a lawyer living in Gravesend, Brooklyn. Okay. Kelman um, is still in Jersey in the process of of a divorce. Uh, He sells insurance, Medicare and annuities. Mm-hmm. Now, he has remained in touch uh, with, um, excuse me, Bobby's wife. All right. Um, because his daughter and Jamie are extremely close. That's oh. his daughter. Yeah. After everything they went through, the study that so altered the triplets' lives was never published, of course. And then um, documents are at Yale, still basically under seal till 2065. Now, through an attorney, the remaining siblings eventually gain access to thousands of pages, the ones that we discussed, but they, quote, were given disks with notes and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. But due to the redaction, right. it's... Unreadable. Yeah. Uh, everything I got... Mushmouth. Everything I got was just about me. It wasn't about visits to me versus visits to Eddie. Right. That's what Bobby says. Right. So Wardle was able to access the short clips, and those are the ones we see in the very end at the credits. And that's creepy when you see these right, kids. I'm sure. Because it was shot by, you know, these fucking creeps. Creeps, dude. Yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> their search for answers as to why it was ever allowed to happen is still not over. There are people in New York City now, practicing psychiatrists, who were heavily involved in setting the study up. They refused to talk to us, meaning the filmmakers, right. even when we had proof they were involved. Yeah. But he hopes once the film is out, there yeah. will be a lot of attention on those involved. When did it come out? It came out in 2018. Okay. So <clears throat> that's why they had the pandemic. Back to the files. Um, as they're making the documentary, right? Okay. The three identical strangers team helped the brothers access these records. So we were driven by the injustice on behalf of the brothers, Wardle mm. says. Right. And producer Becky Reed spent nine months working with the brothers to access the material files and footage that should rightfully be theirs. But had this film never made been made, they probably don't even get the information that they got. 100%. After months of this dogged pursuit, the brothers received the 11,000 pages. Um, the reason you don't see more material in the actual film, though, is because the film was released after they received the records. So, um, sounds like we need some part two, a little addition. Yeah. For the fourth identical stranger. I've been in four years. We found a bunch. 
There's more. Five years. Just be patient. Oh, baby. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge amount of personal stuff to those records that are private for a reason, uh, producer Reed says. To access the records for the first time in years, that, I think, has been an accomplishment to them. To have some sense of ownership of this after having no control for many years over how their lives were orchestrated. Now, there were people behind the scenes of this film that were extremely nervous that the film would get pulled. Uh-huh. The filmmaking team, this is an article I read on CNN, they said they knew going into the, the telling of the story, it was going to be a challenge. They needed to, first of all, earn the trust of the brothers, and then they needed to track down the truth about a study so deeply buried that other projects which were trying to make this film had previously been shut down. Mm. The story had been, tri- had been attempted to be told before on at least three major U.S. networks, two in the 80s and one in the 90s. And in every case, we spoke to people who'd been through and involved in those projects, and they told us they got a long way through, and then it got pulled at the last minute by people higher up. Yeah. Now, Just like the Epstein stuff. Yeah. Um, so there was a huge amount of paranoia. People were telling us there's no way you're going to be able to make this story. You'll get shut down. It'll get pulled. I think a lot, uh, a large part of making the film was just trying to stop ourselves from getting paranoid. Now, here's where it gets interesting. All right. There was, there was another set of twins reunited. Nice. Michelle Mordkoff, 54, okay. saw Three Identical Strangers last year, uh, which would have been no, five years. Oh, sick. She sees the film. Sick. And she says, oh, I was adopted by Louise. Why? No. So she's like, I wonder if I have a twin. And she says, I recall thinking I need to spit in a cup and find out what my history is. So she goes to Ancestry.com and results revealed an immediate family member. Wow. She never knew she had a twin sister named Sick, dude. Yep. That was a fucking glass smoking hooligan. Okay. I think it was three weeks from the time that I found out I may be a twin to the time I met Allison, and it felt like three years. Allison, the glass smoking hole. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. I wanted to see her. I wanted to hug her and tell her that I hope she's okay and that life was good for her. Dude, if I found out I had a fucking twin, man, I wouldn't care that he smoked glass. Yeah, because you've been looking for a glass connect for a long time. <laughs> That's got to be pure. Is glass ice? Or uh, yeah, is, I guess. Is uh, ice crack, math? Cr- meth, crack. Not crack, but meth, yeah, I guess. All right. I don't know. I don't do that shit, except for accident by once. Okay. I have, I have um, by some sleuthing, I okay, got yeah, access you do that. to- you learn, You just learn how to slide into DMs. Uh, we'll talk about DMs later. First. Um, I was able to track down a dossier on Peter Bella Neubauer. Oh, boy. <clears throat> because the film doesn't address a couple of things that really had me going. Is he German? Well, that's the big question. They All they say about Neubauer... Sounds a lot worse if you're German. Here's what we know from the film. Yeah. 
he was a closely associate of Anna Freud, who was Freud's daughter. Right. Who, according to you last episode, I don't even know what Freud does. I mean, he's a philosopher. Is he a quotist or a... <laughs> Buddy, he was a psychologist. Oh, yeah. Okay? Freudian slip, okay. that's right. <laughs> Do you know what a Freudian slip is? Yeah, when you say the thing that you're not supposed to say. Okay, yes. Pussy. <laughs> so. Oh, I, mean, I meant to say dick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Getting Oedipal. Freud would appreciate this. I don't Sticky expect strips. you to know what that means. Now, uh, Neubauer was born in 1913 and died in uh, 2008. Neubauer did. Yeah, so who, wow. what, he made it to like 94, 95? They always do. According to this, he was an Austrian-born American child psychologist and psychoanalyst. Okay. Now, here's what I discovered. The Neubauer family was part of a small Jewish community mm-hmm. in Krems on Donau, Austria, oh. where Peter was born. Mm. He received his medical training at the University of Vienna and the University of Bern in Switzerland, to which he escaped during the Nazi control of Austria. Mm-hmm. He completed his psychi- uh, psychiatric training in 1941. Oh, good for him. He immigrates in 1941, where he took a position on the staff of Bellevue Hospital. Wow. Bellevue's notoriously the not ward, just so yeah, you know, in New yeah, York. Yeah. Well, he write he wrote an early influential paper, and this is from 1960, entitled The One Parent Child and His Oedipal Development. Mm. Neubauer indicated that a father's absence could jeopardize child development as seriously as maternal deprivation. Wow. So this I think is the subtext and his underlining desire of what the study should really be about. Right. So See, you need a man in the family. And I don't think Bobby's dad was the man in the family. Yeah. And I really think that this goes back to Bubba, Bubba, Elliot, yeah. And then uh Mort. Mort. But Yep. I mean, it's right there. He wrote a fucking paper on it saying, you know, the one parent child in his ethical development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, according... 20 years before you ever did any of that shit. Correct. Um, Neubauer published works include Nature's... Oh, no, no, no. He published a book in 41? No, he published it in 60, a year before this study started. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Neubauer's published books include Nature's Thumbprint. Now I have to go out and prove it. The New Genetics of Personality, which includes discussion on his controversial long-term study of adopted Jewish twins. At least five sets. Wow, oh, God, this scumbag. And triplets, one. And they're all... Now, um, of course, we know none of them were aware of the study. Right. Um, this... Uh, I'm trying to just move on here. These revelations, of course, led to the controversy, anger, and ethical comparisons with notorious twin experiments by the Nazi regime that Neubauer had escaped. So why the film chose Uh, not to acknowledge that he was Jewish, Uh, I don't know if that's a directorial decision. uh, I don't know. Or if it's... Maybe they just can't, like, positively confirm that he was, like, a Jewish. Jewish. No, no, no. This It is confirmed. He's, like, 100% like synagogue Jew? I mean, his mom's Jewish. That's all you need. I guess. So... Like, uh, practicing Jew and Jew are different. 
Well, in my opinion, the point is the documentary. <laughs> we didn't know. Was he a gung ho? No, I know. I don't know if don't it's care. just loose narration. Sure, is the point sure. where, yeah, where uh, in the doc they say Neubauer escaped the Nazi regime, yeah, they but they it, don't say he's Jewish. I think they try to make it uh, vague in the sense that they don't want to bring, they don't want to talk about it too much. So that it doesn't seem one way or the other. Yeah, that either it's a fucking German dude doing research on. Jews, or if it's like a Jewish guy betraying his own. No, Jewish in the doc kids. they say he's Austrian. So we they know say that he's Austrian, but again, it's ambiguous. Yes, because he's an Austrian Jew. Yes. So, but they don't say he's an Austrian Jew in the doc. They don't say. They just say he's, he fled Austria. Correct maybe, from the Nazis. Yeah. Um, sympathize him. Back to the because he worked for the Jewish board. We're going to get to them. But Some, I'm just saying that's probably why they made him. Some of the subjects of the Neubauer twin study have sought records, which we know. Apologies and compensation from the Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services, which inherited Neubauer's study records. Now, at least three of the separated siblings died by suicide. Whoa. It wasn't just Bobby. Now, yeah. if we're talking about five sets of twins, that's 10, and three triplets, that's 13. So yeah. a little less than 10% of these subjects, no, three out of 13. Right. Do the math. Was three, three out of 13? Yeah. It's like a little over a quarter. Yeah. So that tells me... Yeah. There... <sighs> Little under a quarter, I guess. Regardless, the danger the the study was completely dangerous. Yeah. It's like twenty two percent. Whether or not it was uh orchestrated that these children did have mentally ill parents mm -hmm. or that they put them with not great parents. Right. This is a very dangerous thing. Yeah. Very dangerous study. I don't like it. Yeah. Um now here's the thing. This experiment was not only discussed in three identical strangers. Um, there was a 2007 memoir called Identical Strangers, a memoir of twins separated and reunited. That was by Elise and Paula, who were the women right. in, the, in the film. There's the twinning reaction. Okay. And Sounds like a YouTube channel. Yep. And a television episode called Secret Siblings. Oh. Now, at the conclusion of the 1980 study... Neubauer reportedly feared that public opinion would be against the study. You fucking think? Obviously. That's why he, quote, or did, he basically declined to publish. Right. Um, Until he died. Correct. Now. Eh, give it another year. Eh, we'll see. Uh, a couple more of his highlights. That was his excuse is what I'm saying. Neubauer served as director of the Jewish Board's Child Development Center, great. president of the Association oh, for Child Psychoanalysis, uh -huh. clinical professor oh, of psychiatry yeah. at NYU, oh, yeah. and secret general secret of the general. International Association of Child Psychiatry and Allied Professions. That sounds made up. It does sound made up. Secret general. Secret general. Fucking secret general. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds all kooky. But wait. Is there more? There is more. Oh, shit. I did a little digging. Okay. Dig. Dig on me, baby. And I found an article. Did you find Pesci and his brother? <laughs> no, I did not. No? Uh, Still looking. 
I found an article um, from a uh, publication called forward.com. Sounds like bullshit, okay. Which labels itself as Jewish, independent, and non I take back my previous statements. (laughs) I think it's mm, awesome publication. This... um, oh, by the way, is it forward like F R E like foreskin? <laughs> forward? No, mm-hmm. no, it's not. Didn't think about that one, did you? Uh, nobody did. <laughs> nobody wanted. Nope. Nobody wants to think about that. Um, this is from the culture section of their online magazine, and the title of this article is "The Cruel Secret History of a Jewish Adoption Agency That Separated Siblings." Wow, progressive. It was written in. 2021 by a woman named Gabriel Glazer. Uh-huh. Glazer, hardly newer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to share this article with you. Okay. Margaret Earl, the 16-year-old daughter of refugees from Nazi Germany, fell in love with George Katz, the age of 17, the son of two Viennese Holocaust survivors in Upper Manhattan in 1960. At the time, there was little birth control, no sex education, and abortion, of course, was illegal. Like more than three million other young, unwed women in America, Margaret got pregnant. Her family pressured her into seclusion at Lakeview, a maternity home on Staten Island run by, any guesses? (laughs) No, I don't know. Louise Wise Uh Services. So, yes. The go-to adoption agency of the era for who? The Weiss industry. What's the name? name? Louise Weiss. Nope. The government. Nope. What was the question? (laughs) I didn't know you were asking questions. I'm listening. Uh I'm so enamored. I'm not trying to Uh engage. We're going to try this one more time. Her family pressured pressured Uh her Uh into seclusion at Lakeview. Yes. A maternity home on Staten Island mm-hmm. run by Louise Wise Services. Yes. The go-to adoption agency of the oh. era for who? Oh, yes. The, uh, or you know, for the what? Ju- the Jewish board. The Jewish people. The Jewish families that were looking for Jewish right, babies. Right, right. New York State back then. I want to just then, reduce them to the Jews. The, New York State back then required that the religion of a birth mother had to match that of the prospective adopted parents. Right. Well, the young couple did all they could to maintain custody of their son. Now, keep in mind, they're 16 and 17 years old. Yeah. They planned to elope once they could scrape together enough money. Uh, but, did they get the kid back? No. I'm telling the story. Okay. But they, they were no match for a predatory, secretive system that yeah. promised what some called blue ribbon babies. They're not ready for the secret general. To infertile Jewish couples ah. who were eager to join the baby boom. Yeah. The twin narratives of Margaret and her son and of his adoptive parents, mm-hmm. Ephraim and Esther Rosenberg, are the subject of my new book, American Baby, A Mother, a Child, and the Shadow History of Adoption. Mm-hmm. In it, I also delve into Louise Wise, where the demand for infants far outstripped its supply. In the 1950s, 10 couples competed for every baby surrendered for adoption, Wow! prompting even federal child welfare officials to describe the situation as a seller's market. Oh, boy. At the time, the vast majority of adoptions were closed. 
Right. Meaning that the original birth certificates of children surrendered for adoption would be sealed to all but court and adoption agency officials. Uh When a child was adopted, states issued a second amended certificate that listed the adoptee's new name and his adopted parents as his original mother and father. Wow. Supporters of these secrecy laws argued that the protected ch- that they protected children from the taint of illegitimacy and reassured yeah. adoptive parents that birth parents would one day try to interfere with their newly created family. Sounds like a good idea. In the decades after World War II, Louise Wise Services earned a reputation as one of the country's most prestigious adoption agencies. I wonder how. Its offices on East East 94th Street were sleek and elegant, and it prided itself on its lineage. It was founded by the wife of Rabbi Stephen Wise in 1916. Mm. After Louise's death in 47, it was run by her daughter, who we met in the film, Judge Justine Wise Pollier. Prominent New York physician sat on the board. In recent years, some of the agency's nefarious operations have come into public view through books and documentary films that brought to life a gripping account of how agency psychiatrists had separated identical twins and triplets for the purpose of experimentation. But the fuller story of the agency's day-to-day work involving the placement of thousands of Jewish infants in the decades following World War II is even more startling. Oh, boy. For nearly five years, I explored the history of adoption in the United States through the lives of a Jewish girl and the son she was forced to surrender to Louise Wise shortly after his 1961 birth. This is the same year these three were Mm. born. At Louise Wise, officials reassured prospective parents that they would do everything they could to match the right baby with the right family and had scientific methods to evaluate children's intelligence right. and predict their looks and capabilities. Ah. Well, how to access, excuse me, assess the potential of proverbial infants years away from taking an IQ test? Mm-hmm. Well, a pediatrician on the agency's board for decades believed that a baby's crying correlated with his or her intelligence. Oh. In order to test his theory. Like the type of crying or how much they cried? How much they cried. Yeah, I didn't cry a lot at all. In order to test his theory, in the mid-1950s, he developed an experiment in which he and other researchers shot a thick rubber band from a wooden gun at the foot of an infant 10 minutes after birth oh. and then recorded his or her cries. Mm. If the baby didn't wail for a full 60 seconds, Carolitz and fellow researchers at Long Island Jewish Hospital would repeat the shot as many as seven more times. Whoa. The National Institutes of Health funded this pseudoscientific research entitled Induced Crying in studies in peer-reviewed medical journals for more than 15 years. Wow. Do you know how fucking stupid that is? It sounds pretty dumb. I'm going to, as soon as this baby pops out of the mom. I also didn't cry a lot. I'm not going to let it hold, be held by yeah, its mother. Yeah, we this bitch with a rubber band a couple of times. <laughs> we got to fucking pull out the, it's not, it's a rubber band gun. Yeah. 
We got to pull like, out the rubber it's gun. Like one of those ones you find at Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. In the fucking barrel. And we're going to shoot the fucking rubber band just by a, its feet. Just an old timey rubber band. Gun. And then time how long it cries. So stupid. Well, there was also the issue of race. In order to offer guarantees about the future appearance of babies who were biracial or thought to be, the agency depended on Harry Shapiro, a board member, forensic anthropologist uh-huh. at the uh, American Museum of Natural History, uh-huh. and president of the American Eugenics Society. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They all just get on boards and they all make a couple bucks from each board just to... Well, Shapiro, during World War II, had specialized in identifying the racial origins of unidentified dead soldiers, issued rulings on the races of thousands of babies who had been surrendered for adoption in order to place them with the, quote, proper, unquote, white families. So social workers waited with their tiny charges outside his fifth floor museum office while Shapiro inspected their nail beds, skull size, and skin for birthmarks known as Mongolian spots. Interesting. Okay. Shapiro. Uh, Is that soot or is your baby a mulatto? (laughs) I can't tell. Shapiro's racial rulings were based on the 19th century principle principles in physiognomy physio i always do this physiognomy <laughs> yeah physiognomy physiognomy the practice yeah. of assessing a person's character from his features well wow. the nazis of course yeah. had applied the same sort of race biology to identify jews yes and yet despite research widely available at the time <laughs> that documented the danger of separation anxiety an emotional scarring that resulted from depriving infants of maternal attachment, the wise agency evaluated babies in foster care for months yeah. on end. I gotta see how the forehead turns out, I guess. Yeah, well, there's more. Outwardly, they promised adopted parents a waiting period of three months, huh. but Shapiro generally refused to issue his opinion on a baby's future looks until he or she was at least six months old. Uh, This, he said, could prevent mistakes in the placement of a child. Yes, thank God. Yeah, well, he's like... You added 90 days, great. Hey, he's like, I need six months to see if it's a Mongol or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't talking about the bike club. They don't don't come out with their feet bound, you know? I guess I just figured Mongols. They did the head bounding thing, didn't they also? Some of the Mongol... Mongolians, I think the that, that's the Peru, the Peruvians. No, they did, no, the, the, with the crystal skulls. No, they did some head binding uh, shit. Also, there's a lot of that going on in multiple, yeah, yeah, multiple yeah. cultures. Yeah. Uh, another prominent child advocate played a central and disturbing role at Louise Wise Services. Viola Bernard, a Columbia University psychiatrist, served as a board member for a half century. Like Carolitz and Shapiro, Bernard was a nationally respected scientist considered so unstinting in her devotion to children that the headline in her 88 obituary in the New York Times would describe her as a psychiatrist who eased young fears. But much like her colleagues, Bernard produced those fears. In her research, Bernard... So she was like 30 and just like... 
since the time she was in her 30s, she was just on the board of the fucking Colombian, whatever the fuck. Anyhow, I mean, in her research, which is crazy long time, Bernard explored many aspects of adoption, including the psychology of unwed mothers and how adopting might ease an infertile's infertile couple's grief. In private, she had more complicated aims. Hmm. Beginning in 1961, Louise Wise Services turned over the files for at least 11 sets of identical twins and infamously one set of identical triplets to Bernard and Neubauer. It's like, turning, of course, it's like turning equipment back into... So it goes, you turned in two sets and... <laughs> yeah, we get it. Um, they were of immense interest since identical triplets occur in one of only one million births. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. The agency withheld from birth mothers that their children would be sent to separate families and did not uh, inform adoptive parents that their children had uh, identical siblings. Right. Now, Bernard seemed unperturbed by the ethical issues raised by separating siblings, describing the study as a natural laboratory situation ah. and pressing administrators at Lakeview, the Long Island maternity home where Margaret stayed to come home to come up with more research subjects. Right. A 1961 letter from one such administrator to Bernard notifying her that another woman was expecting twins suggested exasperation with the experiment quote, and now will you please stop it? Unquote. The administrator wrote, we have enough twins. Wow. It seems implausible that experienced scientists... We need more triplets. (laughs) Can you get us a quad? Yes. All right? That's the golden goose. Are there two sets of twins that were born in the same hospital? They kind of look like each other. Find a crazy lady. Yeah. With quads. Yeah. All right? You guys want bonuses? The crazy quad lady. It seems implausible that experienced scientists like Carolitz, Bernard, Neubauer, and Shapiro were unaware of the ethical lines they were skirting. In the wake, of course, of the Nazis' horrific experiments on Jewish concentration camp prisoners, many countries, including the United States, had signed the Nuremberg Code, which Ah. required doctors to obtain informed consent for any scientific study. So this is huge backlash yeah. after the war sure. when they find the concentration camps and they find Mangala's remains of a, you know, this was probably a Geneva con- convention, yeah. uh, part of the treaty, Maybe, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. One might have expected Louise Wise Services as well as Carolitz, Bernard, Neubauer, and Shapiro, who were all Jewish, yeah. to, partic- to be particularly sensitive to these matters. The principle could not have been simpler. No human being was to be the subject of medical research or treatment without his or her permission and a full understanding of the risks. Yeah. So this answers our question. 100%. It's fucking illegal. 100% illegal. Okay. The scientific papers published by Carolitz throughout the 1960s do not address how babies could have consented to the experience. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting us know, guys. It's kind of like when somebody's dying and oh. you got to get their signature and they can't. Yeah. And they like put it in their mouth and just yeah. sign it. Yeah. These kids are just painting finger shit on a fucking well, document. And it looks like he signed it to me. Well, then. Legally. No, no puberty blockers either, then. Legally, children in foster care were wards of the state. Right. Their teenage mothers 
potential criminals under wayward minor laws. Uh-huh. The consent, such as it was, appears to have been granted by adoption agency executives and social workers. As a lifelong student of history, I'm wary of how easy it can be to fall into presentism, the tendency of applying the mores and views of one period to another. Still, one is left to wonder, were the horrific lessons of the past so easily brushed aside? Did the researchers persuade themselves that no one was really being harmed by this, that the means were justified by the greater good? In last episode, I said, I think this is a misguided study by good people. Sure. You can take all that away and throw it out the fucking window. Yep. Bunch of pieces of shits. In many ways, that seems to have been the underlying argument in favor of adoption. That the placing a child with a better family outweighed any costs. All of that, of course, seems a lot more complicated today just as those experiments seem wildly unethical by contemporary standards. I tried for many months to find the underlying records for the rubber band experiments in the National Archives and elsewhere, but the National Institute of Health destroys grant materials after 20 years if the research did not yield major scientific discoveries or cures, and officials said they could find no trace of the study. Of course. The Freedom of Information Act uh, request similarly yielded nothing. And records of the twins and triplets study, of course, are sealed, as we know, until 2065. Now, after decades of their own searching, in 2014, Margaret and David were reunited by a DNA test. Sick. Just three months before he died of cancer. Ah, what a jip. For David, meeting his birth mother answered a lifelong mystery about his origins. Five years later, New York became the ninth state allowing adoptees to obtain their original birth certificates. But for so many, the question of where they were subjected to these studies is just one more fact they will never know. Now, this article blew me away. And, of course, the interesting thing that really jumped out at to me is old Harry Shapiro. He's the Mongolian head yep. searcher. Yep. Well, he was a president of the American Eugenics Society. Fun. What do you know about the American Eugenics Society? Nothing. Well. Don't tell me it's Nexium. No, it's not Nexium. Okay. It was originally founded as... Uh, the American Eugenic Society. It has since been renamed the Society of Biodemography and Social Biology. It was also formerly known as the Society for the Study of Social Biology and before then, the American Eugenic Society. Yeah. It was, quote, dedicated to furthering the discussion, advancement, and dissemination of knowledge about biological and sociocultural forces for, excuse me, forces which affect the structure and composition of human populations. It was disbanded in 2019. And made something else. Well, here's what you need to know. Um, the organization started by promoting racial betterment, eugenic health, and genetic education through public lectures, exhibits at county fairs. Hmm. The AES primarily used fitter family contests 
to help promote its mission. These fitter family contests took place in public festivals or fairs. Physical appearance, behavior, intelligence, and health were just a few of the qualities that the AES looks at while determining the fittest families. The AES would give out prizes, trophies, and medals to the winning families. Additionally, they would sponsor displays and exhibits that featured statistics on the births of, quote, undesirable or desirable children at the fairs and festivals. An example of such a display from the 20s and 30s statistics claimed as follow. Every 16 seconds, a child is born in the United States. Out of those children, a capable, desirable child is born every seven and a half minutes. (laughs) Desirable. Whereas an undesirable, feeble-minded child is born every 48 seconds. Ah, Dumb little stupid feeble child. And a (laughs) a future criminal is born every 50 seconds. All right, come on. To conclude, the display would argue that every 15 seconds... $100 of taxpayer money went towards supporting the mentally ill and undesirable. I think you see where this is going. Yes. Population control is not a new thing, but I think we forget about it. I think it's a good thing. The AAS also sought to promote eugenic policies at the U.S. state and federal level in particularly. A man by the name of Harry H. Laughlin promoted eugenic sterilization in the early 20th century. By the late 20s, eugenic sterilization laws were being enforced in multiple states. Um, In 1933, California had enforced eugenically sterilization laws on more people than any other of the U.S. states combined, mainly affecting people of color and foreign immigrants. Mm. These laws led to court cases and lawsuits such as Buck versus Bell, 1927, and Skinner versus Oklahoma, 1942. In 1926, the society published a eugenics catechism, arguing that eugenics was supported by the Bible and therefore ought to be promoted by Christians. During the presidency of Henry Farnham Parkins from 31 to 33, the AES worked with the American Birth Control League. Margaret Sanger, she's a well-known birth control activist, was a member of the AES in 56 and established the Birth Control League in 1921. Under the direction of Frederick Osborne, the society started to place greater focus on issues of population control, genetics, and later medical genetics. In 1930, the society included mostly prominent and wealthy individuals, and membership included many non-scientists. The demographics of the society gradually changed, and by 1960, members of the society were almost exclusively scientists and medical professionals. Consequently, the society focused more on genetics and less on class-based eugenics. Now, after Roe v. Wade, in 73, the society was reorganized and named the Society of the Study of Social Biology. Of course it is. Osborne said the name was changed because it became evident that changes of a eugenic nature would be made for reasons other than eugenics, and that tying a eugenic label on them would more often hinder than help. 
The name was most recently changed to the Society of Biodemography <clears throat> and Social Biology in 2008. It's like and, naming your thing that believes in aliens the reasonableists. The name inherited the name of two disciplines, biodemography and social biology. As a result of interactions between demography and biology throughout the last half of the 20th century. Hmm. So, interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, Great talk so far. That's it. Wow. But it's funny stuff, how, how, how you go from changing your mind once you, so have times. More, once you have more background on who these people really were. I guess so, yeah. Because... <clears throat> You know, we started off, I totally felt like, okay, this was a misguided thing. And you jokingly or non-jokingly, I don't know if you're being serious or not, say, we need this information. We need to know it. Uh, but clearly, this was something done by some people that learned zero lessons from the Nazis. Yeah. And that's fucking creepy. They and that's to, fucking scary. Yeah. They tried to implement their Nazi shit here. Motherfuckers. So what on do you think? their own people. I know. I know. That's the worst because, part of it. But all but this. in the end, uh, you're in the end. You're like it had to be done. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> it just had to be done. In the end, it's like it's it's yeah. I mean, like they had no choice because there are people who are the only ones that trusted them. I'll tell you Not this. Like, trust them, that, like, they if this episode doesn't, they were too us, nice. They were too us, trusting. Win us a Peabody for in depth fucking reporting. I I don't yeah. even know if I could continue doing the I show. Don't know. Well, maybe we'll have to reevaluate that then. But I'll tell you this. Fascinating stuff. Definitely. What do you give it? What do you think? Four stars. Yeah, you've, you've seen it four times. One for each docking, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah, maybe I got to see this one. Maybe that's the closest we've yeah. ever had yeah. on you yeah. on the show saying it's you're going to watch it. It's only 90 minutes, so I might 96, be down. 96, Dave. I might be down for that. I can handle that, I think. Okay. Well, if you do watch it, I do want you to report back to us. Yeah. Maybe we'll do our first episode called Dave Finally wow, Watches a Documentary. Maybe. Uh, you know what we could do? What's that? Put that in the Patreon. Wow. Yeah, we don't have a Patreon. No, but maybe soon. Um, Dave, if you don't mind. Yes. Can you tell our listeners who this week's show is sponsored by. Now, normally, when you do a program such as ours, you're going to put the sponsor at the top. Usually. But I was so excited today, yeah. especially with Brenda. And we're back. And we're Brenda and Eddie. Yeah, Brenda and Eddie. That I right. forgot. My apologies to Broccoli okay. Farm. But I have no doubt that Dave. our loyal listeners have stuck through with this till the very end. Yes. And they're not going to hit the skip button no. because they care about the show. Dave, who are we sponsored by? This week's episode of Down the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established in 2016 San Diego, California by <laughs> cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. You knew it. I knew it. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one, Broccoli Freakin' Farms. Fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention Down on the Docks podcast for 15% off your next order with FTP gifts and rewards. Feel that pussy. Fill it up, baby. <laughs> Fill that pussy. Fill that pussy. <laughs> Check them out today on Instagram at Broccoli Farms 619 and follow Dave.Sarah on Instagram also. Dave, if you don't mind, can you please tell our listeners what we would love to have from them if they would like to support the show? Guys... <laughs> 
you need to listen up for a second. I'm going to get real with you. I'm, I've turned my, my chair backwards. I'm sitting in it. We need you to go to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you need to review this. Give it a five-star review. Even if you talk shit, all the shit about it. Even when you say Dave interrupts too many times. That's fine. Say it in a five-star review. Now, here's the other thing, Dave, that's yes. very important. If somebody wants to just go on yes. and leave a review, yes. it's not going to work. No, you got to listen to the You actually have to you listen, listen to, to the thing. Yeah. But listen to it. Tell, tell me I suck. Five-star review. It doesn't really matter to you if you give us a five-star or anybody else. All that matters is it helps. Thank you. Uh, where can they find us, Dave? Down in the docs at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, Re- Chris reads them all. Mm-hmm. I don't read any of them. Mm-mm. But what I do get are a lot of the tweets and a lot of the Instagram posts. Both of those can be found at down in the docs at Twitter on Twitter or down the docs pod on Instagram. And of course, the Discord is the place to be. It's the place to be. If you baby. want a high high action, memory. I mean, I don't know what's going on in there right now, but some crazy shit's going on. Dave, I've got a little surprise for you. Wow, we've got a couple of reviews Chocolate? to read. A couple of reviews oh, to read. Nice. I have them here. Let's hear them, baby. Um, the first review is from Tom One Gun, titled "This Is Great." Yes, Chris is fantastic. Funny and detailed synopsis of great stories. Can't wait to dig into more episodes. Update. I dug in all the way down. <laughs> I love it. There's gold in those hills. We have another one from Avalish titled, Wow. These are both five-star reviews. Impressive how Dave, how bad Dave Sarah is. Yes. Five stars. Yes. You finally got your wish. I got it, baby. Somebody gave it. Somebody said you were good by saying you suck. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Tell me. You don't have to keep doing that. Um, you can you can actually use that review and do more of what Tom One Gun said, which is this show is great because Chris is great. Yes. Or if you must, you can write in, "Wow, Dave really fucking sucks." Yes. As long as it's a five star review, Dave stinks. So again, thank you for joining us. That's a wrap on Three Identical Twins. Watch it on Hulu if you can, and we will see you back. Next week for episode what number? 47, baby. Three to 50. Almost there. Uh Take it easy. Have an amazing week.